0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the co-hosts and or their guests.
1: You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything, that's anything, with your hosts David and Brenda. And now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hey everybody. Do you know what time it is? That's right. Obviously, you do know because you are listening to
0: This and That with David and Brenda. Yes, coming to you live from Podcast Land Studio. It is episode 53 of This and That with David and Brenda. You are
1: listening to the voices of Brenda, otherwise known as Miss Brenda.
0: And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor.
1: Today is November 23rd, 2020, and we are excited to be with you for another edition of our Eclectic Podcast, where we talk about some of everything that's anything.
0: We are once again extending our Warm greetings to the listening members of This and That Nation all across the globe. So why don't we get things started with our shoutouts
1: like we normally do. So let's start with some shout-outs here in the U.S. First off, Hampton, Virginia. Philippi, West Virginia. Richardson, Texas. Norman, Oklahoma. And when we give shoutouts internationally, let's go to Brussels, Belgium.
0: Birmingham, England. Anda, Spain. And Milan, Switzerland. And we're going to keep these shout-outs
1: rolling along because we want to give shout-outs to our U.S. military men, women, and canines, their dependents, And the support groups that are co-located with them. Because we are so grateful for all that they're doing to protect us. And we are grateful that they're also listening to our podcast.
0: Yes, thanks all of you for your service. We also want to shout out all of the first responders here at home in the U.S. Police, fire, EMTs, 911, and so forth as well as give a shout out to all of the uh, frontline healthcare workers that are literally out there putting their lives at risk, saving folks' lives in this age of the uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. We also want to give a shout out and thank you to all of the essential workers that are keeping things humming. That's the teachers, the custodians, the bus drivers, transportation drivers in general, grocery store employees, and on and on and on. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Now, as many of you know, our podcast is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're so grateful, again, that you are listening and taking the time to spend to listen to us Here at This and That with David and Brenda.
0: Yes, podcast is available on all the major podcast apps and streaming services. And new with season three, which we are now in the third episode of season three, we are available this season as well on Amazon Music. Right, and that's just
1: one of many on demand locations where you can pull up a chair, prop up your feet kick back, and listen to all that we have to share on this and previous episodes of This and That with David and Brenda.
0: Right. You can find us. Just search for This and That. So that is this ampersand that, all nine characters together, or this ampersand that, space with space, David, space ampersand space, Brenda, and one of those ways should uh, yield results. And if for some reason we're not on your platform, you can always tell us about it, and we can see if there's something we can do about it. And how would they tell us about it? Ah, uh, they would send us email, and that email would go to our official email address for the show, this and that at That's this the letter N, as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And while you're at it, you can sign up for our email distribution list, also known as our e-blast. And in our e-blast, we talk about what's coming up on the show, plus we have extra goodies that don't make it into the show that we talk about there. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, we've got some timely topics. One is a thought you should know, and that's uh, given what's going on with the pandemic and the like, uh, the need for blood and blood products is higher than ever. And we have an interview with Kara Nicholas, Associate Director of Public Relations at uh, Hawksworth Blood Center here in the University of Cincinnati to talk about that. We also have um, a spin on our coronavirus COVID-19 update. It's going to be focusing on how to stay safe over the holidays. We have some uh, excerpts from a radio interview that Dr. Uh, Melba Moore, Cincinnati uh, Health Commissioner, Conducted, and um, we'll be playing bits of that and putting in our own comments based on research, CDC guidelines, etc. That is the show for today. Well, like you said, this is all very
1: timely, and um, it is also something where we need to talk about personal responsibility, right? Ah uh, yes. So that's the focus of these topics, and so it's time to keep on moving and start the show. And why not start it with this timely song by none other than the great Michael Jackson. Listening to this and that with
0: David and
1: Brenda.
0: Brenda, I thought you should know that even with all the craziness going on with the pandemic, the need for blood donations hasn't gone away. Okay.
1: Now, why do we need to donate blood in the first place?
0: Great question as usual. Instead of hearing me drone on and on. Let us go to the Podcast Land studio phone line and talk with Kara Nicholas, Associate Director of Public Relations of Hawksworth Blood Center at the University of Cincinnati. Welcome Kara.
2: Thank you so much
3: for having me. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today.
1: Now Kara, what exactly is Hawksworth Blood Center?
3: So, Hawksworth Blood Center, we are underneath the umbrella of the University of Cincinnati, um, but we are a nonprofit organization, and we are the only steward of the blood supply here in the Cincinnati area. So, we are the sole provider of blood products to 31 hospitals uh, in 18 counties in Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. So, um, if you or a loved one has ever received blood or platelets at an area hospital, Platelets or blood products were uh, delivered by Hawksworth. We were the, were the ones who collect and distribute and process all of those. So we have a very important role in the community.
1: Now, did you say 31 hospitals? Yes,
3: 31 hospitals, and that's in 18 counties. So, um, you know, we had were, you know, at UC, obviously, we serve... Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and then we go into, you know, like High Point Health over in Indiana, St. E's, in Northern Kentucky. Uh, but yeah, so we serve a lot of different hospitals in the area and, uh, in 18 different counties. So our, our reach is pretty widespread and it's a, you know, it's a big, a big mission that we have to provide all of those necessary blood products, but it's one that we're very happy to do because it's such a, a, a critical service that a lot of people don't really think about.
1: Yeah, now that is a very uh, critical service. So how do you go about getting the amount of blood that you need for um all these hospitals that you service?
3: Now that is a great question. So a lot of people don't actually know this, but uh, we have to collect at least 400, but preferably 450 uh, units of blood products every single day just to meet the demands of the hospitals that we serve. So, you know, we have standing orders where we will ship certain numbers of, you know, O positive or A negative to all of these hospitals. And uh, we need to collect over 400 units of blood every day to, to meet those demands. And that's not even counting, you know, situations like traumas or mass casualty situations where the need would skyrocket. Um, so we rely on the generosity and time of volunteer blood donors. Um, blood is a very valuable resource. It cannot be created in a lab. Uh, there is no synthetic substitute for it. So all blood that is transfused to patients here in our community, all of that comes from volunteer blood donors. So basically, it comes from our neighbors right here in the Cincinnati area, and we are always trying to, you know, promote the need, promote, uh, you know, the importance of this life-saving act. Um, and we're always trying to recruit more donors. So uh, a lot of what we do every day is just trying to spread the word about why it's so important and why we need people to come in every day uh, to just make these life-saving donations.
0: Wow. Now, uh, given all all the blood that's needed, all these units, um, how long does a unit of blood actually last? Is there like a, the equivalent of like a use-by date? For blood? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: So um, once you, this is a great question, (laughs) and I'm going to go into some details because I know so much about blood now. Um, So a standard unit of whole blood, so that's typically when you just come in and you sit in the chair for about 10 minutes and you fill a bag of blood and it's your blood cells, your your platelets, your plasma. Um, Units like that, so whole blood or red blood cells, can actually be stored on a shelf for up to 42 days. So um, that's really important because, you know, we can always keep our shelves stocked. We can hold on to those blood products for a couple weeks, which is really great. Uh, But then you get into things like platelets. Platelets are, um, that's actually what I donate, they are a component of the blood that is really important for clotting, Um, and a lot of patients who are undergoing treatment for cancer, uh, you know, going under radiation or chemotherapy, they require a lot of platelets because that treatment for the cancer, you know, kills cancer cells, but it can also just demolish your blood cells. Um, Platelets are really important, and those actually only have a shelf life of five days. So once that that unit of platelets has been donated, uh, it's basically, it goes through testing and processing, and it's pretty much already earmarked for a a patient in an area hospital. Um, Cincinnati Children's Hospital is actually one of our our biggest users of platelet products just because of all the great work that they do with pediatric cancer. So, you know, when you donate your red cells or whole blood, that's definitely great. We can keep that on the shelf for a couple of weeks, but platelets only have that five-day shelf life and we need a really steady supply of platelet donors every day just to make sure that we're able to, to have the products on the shelf.
0: Wow. And, and and how often can somebody donate whole blood or platelets? I mean, is there um, a, a time lag that has to happen in between that donation?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. You guys are asking some really good questions. Um, so we're whole blood. You can donate every eight weeks. So Uh, You'll come in, you'll donate, and then we'll give your body a couple of weeks to, you know, regenerate those red blood cells and make sure that your iron levels are able to get back up to a a healthy level. Um, With platelet donations, you can actually donate every two weeks. Uh, So that's really cool. We have a lot of people who, you know, are maybe retired or not working full-time, and they will donate platelets every two weeks. And, um, you know, they're getting up to 50 or 60 gallons of donated blood products over the years, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: That's,
3: that's, a, that that's a lot. A lot. <laughs> that's a lot. It is. It is. I think the highest person that we have right now is about 65 gallons, and this person's been donating, you know, every two weeks for the past, like, 10 or 20 years or something like that. Something pretty crazy. <laughs> wow. Well,
2: I have to, yeah. to that person. I know it's such a great
3: commitment on their part. Um and the coolest thing for me is knowing that these people are doing it not because they're getting a t-shirt or anything like that. They're just doing it because they think it's the right thing to do. Um especially right now when things are a little crazy. I just I look at all these donors who who make the time to to just do something so selfless and you just think, okay, things are things are going to be okay.
1: So pretty much people are donating a gift of life.
3: Absolutely, on 100%. Um, I, it's it's really, it's, it's unbelievable to hear the stories of people who are only here today because of, of blood donors. Um, the one story that always sticks with me was a young woman not older, not much older than I am. I think she was in her late 20s or early 30s when this happened. Um, she was in a fender bender on an icy road and got out of her car and another car, a truck actually hit a patch of ice and hit her going 60 miles an hour. And she got caught underneath the truck and dragged on the, on the pavement for 80 feet. And the only reason that she's alive and able to tell the story is because she received like hundreds of blood products in the hospital over the next couple of weeks. Um, And those were only available and ready to be transfused because someone, five days ago or two weeks ago said, you know what, I have an hour of extra time. Let me go to my local Hawksworth and and donate today. And it's, that's just really unbelievable and uh, so impactful to think about that.
1: Wow. Now, um, how old do you have to be to donate blood?
3: So to be able to donate blood, you
1: have to be at least 16, and that's with your parental consent.
3: So we have a lot of high schoolers, you know, who – want to donate at their high school blood drive because they want to get out of class and maybe get some free cookies. (laughs) So they can be 16 with parental consent um, or 17 without parental consent. So um, we have a lot of people who start their life-saving careers in high school. Um, I actually started donating at my very own high school blood drive at Earthline Academy in Blue Lash when I was 17. So um, very cool. Very cool that we have, you know, people who are getting, uh, getting their life-saving careers started at that age. Um, and then there's no real upper age limit for blood donation. Um, we have people who are in their, their 80s or even into their early 90s who are still donating because as long as you're healthy and you meet all of the eligibility criteria, um, you, can, you can donate as long as, as, long as you meet those, those guidelines.
1: Now, when you say as long as you're healthy, what does that mean? That's a great question.
3: So, obviously, we only want you to donate if you're feeling generally well and healthy. So, no no cold symptoms, no sore throat or fever or anything like that. Um, you know, there are some conditions or illnesses that would, that would, you know, prevent you from donating. Obviously, things like hepatitis, um, cancers, and things like that, you won't be able to donate until you are cleared of the disease. Um, so, for instance, if you are a breast cancer survivor, you will need to have been treatment-free and cancer-free for at least a year before you're able to donate. Um, But that being said, there are a lot of conditions where people think they can't donate blood uh, when they actually can. So we have a lot of people who say, oh, I'm a diabetic. I can't donate blood. And that's not true. Uh, People with diabetes can actually donate as long as they've never used uh, bovine source insulin, which hasn't really been used since, I think, like the 80s. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I have high blood pressure. Um, again, that's not necessarily a problem as long as, you know, you're taking medication and it's under control. So there are a lot of, you know, other, other examples that I could give. My, my recommendation would be that if someone's not sure if they're, like, on a medication or have a diagnosis of something, they can always give us a call and we will definitely be able to tell them, you know, whether or not they're eligible at
2: that time.
0: Now, with all the, the blood types that are out there, is, is there a need for one blood type or, or a couple of blood types more than other blood types?
3: Yes, yeah, so that's a really interesting question. So, um, you know, we always love having type O on the shelf. Uh, type O positive is one of the most commonly used blood types just because it's one of the most common blood types out there. So that makes sense, you know, if of the population has type O positive. We're going to be using a lot of it. Um, And then type O negative is always really useful to have on hand because it's the universal donor. So in the event of an emergency, you know, if someone's been in a car accident and they need blood immediately, we're able to transfuse O negative, um, you know, before we're able to, if we're not able to get their, their blood typed quickly enough. So type O is obviously really important to have on the shelf. But um, what we really say is the most valuable blood type is the one that's not on the shelf and ready to go when we need it, because that's, unfortunately, it's happened before. You know, we've had things like car accidents or, or transplant surgeries where people will require 50 or 100 units of something like B-negative, um, and B-negative, you know, is not a super common blood type, and we don't have as much of it as, say, O-positive. But in that moment, that was the most valuable blood type because we had such a, a critical need for it. So um, no blood type is more or less valuable than another. Um, I'm type A positive myself. And, uh, you know, there's always a need. No matter your blood type, there's some type of donation that we would love for you to give. So if you're type O or type B, you know, we would love for you to donate whole blood or red cells. Um, if you're type AB, we would love you to donate plasma. Um, so. No matter what your blood type, there's something that you can do that will that will make a
0: difference to a local patient. Now, now you mentioned the blood drives, and, and I know in the, the area, you, you, there are the blood drives at schools, but also at work. Given the pandemic and all, I, I assume that you all are taking some kind of hit with blood drives not happening. How, how are yes. you making up for that?
3: Yeah, so that's definitely true. Um Especially with high schools and colleges, you know, a lot of them have gone remote or they're just not, you know, they're not willing to to bring in blood drives at this time for social distancing, which we totally get. Um, So definitely earlier this year, we were were really hit hard by canceled blood drives. Um, We were, you know, several thousand units below our projection just because of those um fortunately you know the community still really really showed up in a big way um you know a lot of these drives were canceled and we were able to put out the word and just say hey you know we have seven neighborhood donor centers which are fixed sites all across the tri-state area and we really need people to come in so um you know we were able to count on our community for that they all showed up um but you know right now we are doing what we can to kind of do our best with socially distanced blood drives. So, you know, we do have our buses up and running again at reduced capacity, so we're only letting a few people on the bus at a time to ensure that proper social distancing. Um, We're trying to organize blood drives in really big spaces that have a lot of room to spread out so we're able to maintain that social distance. Um, So, I would obviously love to, to, like, let your listeners know that if they're interested in giving back to the community and they have a, a thought about where we could host a blood drive, we would love to hear from them. Because uh, blood drives make up a, a really big part of our, our daily collections. And we're always looking for, for places where we can safely, uh, you know, collect these units of blood.
0: Now, now with your locations, um, given what's going on with the pandemic, are, are you taking walk-ins or is it by appointment? Or how's, how does that work?
3: Yeah, so we're definitely encouraging appointments at this time. Uh, earlier, you know, when COVID nineteen really uh, was was peaking um, around April, we were not accepting walk-ins at that time, just because you know we were doing our best to maintain that social distance. Um, so right now, we are saying that if you can make an appointment, we would definitely want you to do that. But we also understand that some people just have really erratic schedules and maybe they can't commit to a certain appointment time. So. Um, you know, people are always welcome to come in and see if we can fit them in, but uh, it's not guaranteed. If we have a very full schedule, we're not going to want to put anyone at
1: You talked about donating plasma what exactly mm-hmm. is that so
3: plasma is the liquid portion of your blood so obviously you know your red cells are really important for carrying oxygen to your organs um, platelets are really important for clotting white blood cells are your your body's immune defense um, and all of those cells are carried in this sort of clear yellow uh, liquid called plasma and, uh, plasma is very valuable. Um, it's actually used a lot for people who are, uh, burn victims. So people who are, you know, have suffered burns need a lot of plasma and a lot of platelets because of all the, the damaged skin that they have um plasma can also just be really valuable for people who have lost so much blood that we really need to pump up their blood volume so we'll be giving them red cells along with, with plasma and things like that um plasma plasma can actually be frozen so that that can be uh frozen and and kept longer than you know your usual blood products um and type people who have type AB blood are really valuable platelet donors and plasma donors um, i mentioned earlier that type O is sort of the universal donor when it comes to red cells. Um, I don't exactly know the science around this, but plasma, is, AB plasma is kind of the universal plasma donor. Um, I can definitely get you some more information from our medical director on the, on the specifics as to why that is, but uh, I unfortunately do not get a medical degree, so
2: I, I don't know
3: exactly exactly why that is. Um, but plasma is really important. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they hear about plasma donation, and they'll think of, oh, yeah, you know, back when I was in college in the 90s, I, you know, I donated plasma in exchange for money. Um, we don't do that. Actually, interestingly, if you are paid for blood products, that cannot be used on a patient. Um, the FDA only wants a volunteer blood donors oh. to, to be providing the products that are given to patients um, just because, you know, if you're getting paid to, to donate blood or, or plasma, you might be more willing to lie on your donor form to cover up, um, you know, any conditions or diseases that you might have. Mm. So the FDA is really, uh, really driving home that we only want volunteer blood donors who are just donating because it's a nice thing to do, not just because they're, they're getting money for it. So um, when you donate at Hawksworth, your plasma is going to be used uh, on a patient here in the area. Um, if you go to local plasma donation centers where you're going to be getting paid, that's usually going to be shipped overseas or done or used for research. So um, that's a, an interesting tidbit I like to let
1: people know. Okay. So I have to ask this question. There have been times when Hawksworth has done blood drives and you've given away T-shirts. Does that is that payment? Would that be an FDA no-no?
3: Things like that are a little bit different. Um, So typically, things like a T-shirt or like a $5 Starbucks gift card, um, the FDA is okay with that because they understand that we want to We want to show our appreciation to our donors. You know, we know that they're doing a good thing. We know that they're just taking time out of their day to do something kind for someone in their community. Um, So the FDA understands that, yes, you know, we want to be able to show them that we appreciate them. So um, we've given away T-shirts or, you know, pairs of fun socks or things like that. Um, And that's typically okay because... uh, you know, no one's going to sell a Hawksworth t-shirt for $60. (laughs) So as long as they're not able to, you know, to take those items and kind of turn them into, into cash magically, the FDA is a little flexible on that because they do understand, you know, we want to make sure that our donors feel appreciated because what they're doing is uh, an unbelievable act of kindness.
0: Now on, on the um, plasma, I believe I read something about you all are uh, engaging in um, research on using convalescent plasma from COVID-19 victims yes. and all. So mm-hmm. out, out of that, I mean, how how is that going? Number one, uh, it's if, going if you know. really,
3: really well. Um, and this is just so exciting because obviously with, you know, the rise of the COVID-19 and the increase in cases that we're seeing, people are so desperate to find, um, you know, a treatment or a cure. So we were actually one of the first hospitals, or not hospitals, we were working with some of our local hospitals. We were one of the first blood centers to really uh, get started on this research. So we've worked with several local hospitals on collecting plasma from donors, or from uh, people who have already recovered from the COVID-19 infection. And um, that plasma contains antibodies that can be, you know, that could potentially help people who are really ill with the virus, you know, people who are in the ICU or on ventilators. Um, And obviously, this is, you know, still under research. We're still getting valuable data. But um, what we've been seeing so far is is really promising. Um, It sounds like people are, you know, we're seeing that reduction in mortality, uh, in the people who have received plasma. So, um, that's really exciting for us.
0: So, um,
3: yeah, it is, it's really great. Um, and really cool to also hear about the people who, you know, have recovered and how immediately these people said, I want to do something to help. You know, I've, I've survived this virus and I want to do something so that someone else can survive. So, Um, It's really interesting. And obviously, if people have any questions, you know, if people have recovered from COVID-19 and they're interested in donating plasma, they can go to our website, which is hawksworth.org. And uh, there's a button right up there near the top about donating convalescent plasma.
0: Now, you said donating blood is um, every eight weeks, platelets every two weeks. How often could someone donate plasma? Forgetting, setting aside
3: the COVID part. So for donating convalescent plasma, you know, once we are able to ascertain that you guess your plasma contains the, a, a good number of antibodies that could be transfused to somebody, um, you could donate. So I think, believe you can donate once a week for three or four weeks, and then after that it would be once a month. So you would be able to donate three or four times that first month, and then we would move to a, a monthly schedule. Okay. Um, in general, plasma donors, we can let them donate about every
2: month.
1: Okay. okay, now how again can people get more information or get in touch with uh, Hawksworth?
3: Yeah, so our website, as I mentioned, is hawksworth.org, so it's just hawksworth.org. Um, got plenty of great information right there on the front page about um, scheduling a donation, um, you know, getting more information about convalescent plasma, how to host a blood drive. Uh, people can always also give us a call at 513-451-0910. Um, and I also, uh, I run all of Hawksworth's social media. So if people want to get in touch with me, they can send us a message on Facebook or on Twitter, and I'm happy to get them in touch with the right people if they have any questions or, or comments for us. So um, you can let people know that if they message Hawksworth on Facebook, they're they're going to be talking to me. So
0: make sure that they're they're nice. <laughs> <laughs> Now uh, well, our our listeners are, are are quite nice, our audience. Uh, they, they they go by the the name this and that nation and um, we we have folks outside of greater Cincinnati as well as international. now how how can they um, donate in their local areas? What's the the best thing for them to do? Yeah, so
3: so in general, you know, obviously if people are here in the Cincinnati area, we'd love them to donate with us. Uh, but you know, if they're up in Dayton, you know that's the Community Blood Center. Um, obviously, the American Red Cross serves many areas in the United States. So, what I would recommend is just go to Google and type in, you know, their their state and city, and then blood donation. And uh, I, it's probably going to be one of the first results that comes up as how to how to donate blood in their area. So, and it might not be with the American Red Cross. It might be with a more of a local blood center like like Hawksworth. Um, but no matter what, you know, if they're donating blood, they're going to be helping someone. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, um, we have people who have, unfortunately, you know, they've donated with Hawksworth for 10 years and they've had to move away and they've, you know, become American Red Cross blood donors. And we say, you know, we miss you, but the important thing is, is that they're still donating because they're still making a difference in someone's life. Right.
1: Now, um, for those that may be spelling be challenge, like myself... How do you spell Hawksworth and give us that website address again? Yeah, so
3: Hawksworth is H-O-X-W-O-R-T-H. And so that is just www.hawksworth.org. And again, they can give us a call at 513-451-0910. And we are also on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram and LinkedIn. So uh, whatever, whatever platforms they're using, we invite them to to give us a follow and make sure they tag us in any of their selfies.
1: Well, this has been great, Cara. Thank you so very much for um, giving us the four one one on blood donation and being able to do it with Hawksworth. Well, thank you so much for having me and for letting me talk at such great
3: length. Uh, I feel like this is my one party trick these days is talking about blood donation, so it's nice that people appreciate all of my knowledge because I think my friends are pretty sick of me by this point
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I'm sure that um, our listeners would definitely appreciate um, learning the ins and outs of blood donations so thanks again
2: yeah no problem thank you so much
3: All the wonderful, the marvelous, and the glorious things of all, I'm so thankful
0: that I'm alive. I am with this gift of life, it's so wonderful, it's so wonderful, 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 it's so wonderful. Listen to This and That on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services.
1: The holidays are coming. Yes, indeed. And um, just like it says in the song by The Sounds of Blackness, Soul Holidays, it's a time to celebrate, spend time with family and friends, and partake in good times, good food, and good
0: fun. Well, yes, under normal circumstance, that would absolutely be the case, but... This is the year of the coronavirus, so, of course, um, your mileage may vary, as I like to say. So, are you trying to imply that we are
1: embracing a new normal?
0: Well, I don't know if it's a new normal. It's a temporary normal. Um, And to get specific about it, right now, as folks know, or they should know, we are in the, the throes of a fall-winter surge, and it's not just here in the U.S., it is across um, definitely the entire northern hemisphere. The U.S. is raging, literally raging out of control, hate to say. We crossed the 12 million official number of coronavirus cases here in the U.S. this weekend. Of course, the unofficial number is probably much, much higher. People who are going around undiagnosed, asymptomatic, etc., um over two hundred fifty seven thousand deaths now in in the u s alone globally almost fifty nine million folks officially have been uh have come down with covid nineteen coronavirus infections, and globally one point four million deaths attributed to uh, the coronavirus. so you can see here in the u s we are almost a quarter of that number, which is just insane. If anyone had said way back in February March we'd be where we are today, I would have said that they were sadly mistaken, that we would not get to the point we're at. So records of COVID-19 are basically
1: being broken on a daily basis.
0: In every state, yes. And by records, we're talking not just number of cases, but hospitalization, I mean, the COVID deniers are so like, oh, there's a lot of testing, that's why there's all these cases. Well, no. When you look at the numbers, yes, testing has gone up. Across the U.S., testing has gone up 43%. The number of hospitalizations has gone up almost 200%. So, I mean, just look at the numbers, do the math. We, unfortunately, are just, the virus has just gone rampant here in the U.S. So hospitalizations are up. Um, the number of, the, the demographics of who's getting infected keeps getting younger and younger. Folks are still under this misimpression, a lot of people, that this is a, you know, old folks disease or whatever. No, 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 no. I mean, this is affecting everybody. Um, and could go on and on. But it's just completely widespread across the U.S.
1: They also seem to be under the misimpression that, um, There isn't a surge going on and that basically we do business as usual. And I'm saying that because of when I look at the pictures of people that are getting ready to board airplanes and get ready to go spend the holidays with their loved ones and family members, it's just, um,
0: it's ridiculous. I thought that too until folks in the media print. TV, etc. When you talk to the folks traveling, most of them understand it, but un- they they understand that there's a surge, but for whatever reason, they think that it's okay. Dr. Melvin Moore, who was uh, giving an interview to the Lincoln Ware Show, which is a radio show which is actually heard across the country but is based in Cincinnati, talked about this a bit. So let's just hear what uh, she has to say, and we'll come back
2: how they used to celebrate Thanksgiving, it's not going to be a good way to celebrate it this year because we're in a pandemic. These are unprecedented times. Unprecedented times require us to do things differently. Here are some options. We hear that if the weather holds up, people can socially distance and have Thanksgiving outdoors. If you have the tools to do that, if not, FaceTime your family, Zoom call your family, have a drive-by Thanksgiving celebration. And what I mean by that, if the grandmother, the matriarch of the family was the one who prepared the meal, she can still do that, prepare the meal, package plates up, so when you drive by, you can wave, receive, And keep it moving. That's what we can do, not only for Thanksgiving, but for Christmas and for New Year's. I know on New Year's, people cook black-eyed peas. Whoever does that can still do that. But pack a plate and drive by, say hi, Happy New Year, on the telephone, Zoom call. Plan your New Year's Eve celebration and Zoom. My family's in St. Louis. I would love to go home. I haven't seen them. I've seen them on FaceTime, you know, but I haven't physically been in their presence. But I can't do that. I have to sacrifice. I I love my family. I really do. But I can't go home because I have to be here and I have to be healthy. And I don't want to be a person who didn't do what I was supposed to do, and I'm creating or taking up space in the hospital that should be reserved for someone else.
0: Dr. Moore was just breaking down in plain language what the CDC and others have been saying, and that's, don't travel. I mean, they've been very clear. The CDC has been very clear. Don't travel. Dr. Fauci has been very clear. Don't travel. All the medical experts on the various networks have been saying, don't travel. Don't travel. And, you know, have Thanksgiving or the holidays period with people who are in your bubble. And that's your immediate household and anybody else that you're going through this coronavirus with. People who are not in your immediate household or bubble, um, you should not be dealing with at this time over the holidays, period. That's what their recommendation is. And Dr. Moore and others are like, if you have to do that, wear a mask, physically distance, don't treat them like, because that's where a lot of the spread is coming from. It's for whatever reason, people understand if they go to you know, Kroger or whatever, they got to wear a mask, they got to stay far away from people and things like that. But if their best, if their bowling buddy comes over to watch the football game, somehow they think that their buddy can't be COVID positive given the coronavirus or vice versa. And they're just in their, you know, man cave watching football game for three hours, swapping air and everything else. And you can't do that with people who are not in your immediate bubble, that you're not with, you know, day in, day out. That's the the key message. That's where a lot of the spread is happening from. People just lowering their guard to friends and family. And it used to be just that way at weddings and funerals, whatever, but now it's crept into the home.
1: But the other part of that key message is also when you wear a mask, wear it appropriately. Yes. I mean, it doesn't mean to put the mask on, and then when you decide you want to talk, you take it off your nose, you take it off your mouth, and then you put it under your chin and you start talking. Or
0: you take it off period. And that's, a lot of people that's just, just not appropriate. A lot of people just, okay, I gotta wear a mask. They just put it under their chin. And they don't cover their nose, they don't cover their mouth. That's not doing any good. That's not that's not protecting other people from you know, whatever uh, germs you might have. And that's not and protecting vice versa. you from other <laughs> right. from
1: germs. That other people around you may have,
0: and the studies have shown that you know masks. We already knew this anyway. Masks work, because again, the whole reason why you look at healthcare professionals for centuries. Healthcare professionals have been wearing masks uh, so that they don't spread their germs to other folks. They they scrub themselves. They they go in the operating rooms. They're wearing masks. They've scrubbed down. They've got gloves. They cut people open, they operate on them, and those people do not pick up some infection from whatever those folks operating on them had. So we've known for centuries mass work. and I just to just completely deny this is just completely ridiculous, completely ridiculous, in my opinion. So mass work, and we also know with respect to the respiratory um, ailments here, they work with protecting you. Depending on what kind of mask you have, because there are various kinds of masks. And while we're at it, wear a mask. A bandana is not a mask. A bandana, bandana is not helping anybody. Um, your 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 particles are going right through that fabric, and vice versa. You know, vice versa. You're sucking in other people's stuff. Um, the cloth mask, you want to make sure that it's tightly woven and you've got multiple layers, things like that. Um, I would say because things are rampant, you want to at the very least have on a surgical mask. And surgical mask gives you even more protection. And, of course, you have N95, KN95, which is a Chinese version of the N95. And then the Europeans' versions is what, FFPA, I think that's what it's called, or P2. Uh, you want to have, you know, my opinion, if you can get get to that level, you're definitely protecting yourself, as well as protecting others. if you can. But at this point, because things are so rampant, you want to step up your PPE mass game. Um, that's what a lot of health experts have said. And it's just kind of common sense right now because certain parts of the country, it's, you know, one out of two people have coronavirus who are getting tested. So in addition to
1: wearing your mask um, and like we said don't travel meaning even if you live within the state within the city outside of the state stay at your own place and have your Thanksgiving meal with your immediate in your bubble in your home family um, because when you go outside like was said earlier and introduce this yourself into other people's households, you may be introducing COVID-19. And a year from now, when you're celebrating Thanksgiving again, you may not have an extra seat at the table that's being filled by a family member that contracted COVID-19 and succumbed to it. So there are other ways to do your Thanksgiving meals whether you do it through video chats, whether you talk to folks via phone, there are other ways to interact without being physically in the same place, sharing the same air
0: uh, with each other. Yep, like Brenda says, um, Zoom calls, you know, Skype, WebEx, FaceTime, and so forth. Uh, this is where these technologies can be used. To get creative and have a virtual Thanksgiving. Everything else is pretty much virtual this year. We need to continue doing that so that next year, hopefully we can all get together. send your feedback to this and that at Episode 53
1: of This and That with David and Brenda
0: is a wrap. Yes, time to seal it, package it up and upload it to the cloud. We shed some light
1: on blood donation, a gift of life that is so helpful. And hopefully some of our listeners in this and that nation will consider the act of donating blood.
0: And I hope we drove home the CDC recommendations around the holidays. And for those who missed it, don't travel. Don't travel. And again I say... Don't travel.
1: And listening to find out what's on our playlist. So what did we have this time,
0: David? Well, we um started things off. First off the playlist was uh Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Um This gift of life was our next tune and that's uh Teddy Pendergrass. That was very appropriate given uh talking about the um Blood products and the like. Uh, we then had Soul Holidays, Sounds of Blackness. Yeah, I had to slip in
1: another edition of gospel music. So you can't go wrong with the Sounds of Blackness. No, you can't. So again, we're coming up on the holiday season. And we hope that everyone will take the time to... um. Make the choices that are are appropriate for protecting themselves and family members because we don't want this to be your final holiday that you spend with family and friends.
0: That is 100% correct. We want everybody to be able to get together next year, so stay safe, be virtual this year. So until our
1: next podcast all the best stay woke peace out bye folks you have been listening to this and that a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything this has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by about Music by Pottington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and/or advertising, please email us at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com, all rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.